Hello, everyone, and welcome to the EVN Disrupt podcast. My name is Nejda Tsaturyan. I'm the editor of the Creative Tech section here at EVN Report. This week, we are continuing our series of podcasts from the Science and Technology Convergence Conference. We were happy to be the media partner of the STC Conference, which was organized by SmartGate's Catalyst Foundation, with the support of the European Union and the GIZ Foundation. My guest today is Leonid Kirakosian, a partner at McKinsey. Uh, Leonid, thank you so much for joining us today and uh, offering your time. Thank you for having uh, me. I want to start with a little bit of your background. Tell us uh, what exactly it is you do at McKinsey. Yeah, look, well, I was born in Armenia. I actually spent most of my life in Russia. And now I'm uh, technically based in uh, Zurich, but I'm responsible for all things Armenia at McKinsey. Uh, so working with organizations locally to help them grow and uh, branch out. I, personally, I specialize in digital transformation, uh, digital business building um financial services and uh, and the like uh, but then uh, as more of a like country partner my role here is more to bring expertise from all over the world to whoever needs it in their media right not just do things myself for those of our uh, listeners who might not know can you just explain a little bit about what it exactly does that mckinsey does and what their interest is in yeah. markets like armenia's yeah so mckinsey is a global consulting firm uh, about 100 years old we are in more than 100 countries globally and uh things we do is basically driving change for good for major organizations, private, public, social sector. The way we work is, you know, there's the Smith that consultants, all they do is they do fancy PowerPoints. Frankly, what we do most of the time is we do major transformations for our clients. So we spend a year, two, three, or five uh, within an organization to actually change the way they operate. If I can just give you a couple of examples, we can work with the whole country, uh, serve the prime minister or the president to deliver on their change agenda, create it and then deliver. Or we can, uh, you know, transform a bank from a legacy old school bank to a more modern, agile bank that delivers the outcomes for the bank and for the clients. So what is it that you guys do in Armenia? What is McKinsey's interest in Armenia? Uh, so frankly, I don't have a boss. I'm uh, as a partner, I'm, I'm my own boss, boss and I, ha- I can do whatever I prefer to do with certain guardrails and limits. So I have uh, my interest. I'm passionate about uh, improving the lives of Armenians and uh, turbocharging the growth in the country. So here I'm uh, talking to, I cannot disclose names, but uh, some government institutions and uh, private sector companies to help them do better and prepare right. for, for what's coming. Right. So um, you said that one of the areas that you specialize in is digital transformation. Can you tell us what that is and what the direction should look like for Armenia's our path for working on digital transformation? Yeah, look, so what it typically looks like is that, you know, companies of all sizes and uh, in all industries operate in their own ways say a grocery retailer they buy some tomatoes bring it to a distribution center and then sell it to a retail or a bank uh, they they do lending and they do deposit taking but then uh, if you sort of infuse some digital into it uh, the way it works changes both for the company and for its clients the way it typically works is that you change how the company works from what it used to be and it's different for different organizations to a product-centric organization to target what the client wants um, say uh, i did a digital transformation of a grocery retailer not in armenia though so the way it works is that like look here's what the customer needs they have this need to buy uh, grocery for a week or daily or for a month long right. how do we satisfy these groups of needs for some of them we actually need delivery for some we need stores so we sort of rethink the whole organizations and how they serve their clients with digital in mind. That's sort of the overarching story of what a digital transformation is. Right. Then if we speak about Armenia, uh, I feel like 
a lot of it revolves around Armenian's world in the digital ecosystem. Look, we can be this quote unquote body shop where our developers are pretty good and they're cheaper than they are in the Silicon Valley. So if you're an Armenian founder who's uh, doing uh, a business in Silicon Valley, you can have uh, quite a few of your developers and data scientists in Armenia. And that's good for you and that's good for Armenia and that's good for the people uh, of Armenia because uh, they spend their money locally. I think we can still do much more as a country where we are the center of this uh, innovation, but we are the business is driven from Armenia, right. not driven from elsewhere. And then Armenia is uh, a nice to have and can actually be replaced with Vietnam or whatever that is. Uh, so I feel like the challenge would be to build an ecosystem here for global entrepreneurs to run their business out of Armenia, for Armenia and for bigger markets elsewhere. But then this will bring quite a few benefits. Things like, look, they'll create much more supply of talent here because they can actually recruit globally. Uh, they will have Armenia play a bigger role in the world, which enhances security as uh, will be on the radar of major corporations and governments. This creates uh, this virtuous cycle in the economy where these people spend more money, they consume more services, more companies start to serve these bigger companies. Uh, so it actually enhances how we, we operate uh, economically. So I feel like that would be our next step. Mm -hmm. And now is a good time to approach it more systemically, not just, you know, okay, we have uh, a bunch of people coming, why don't they call a minister and we figure out their problems? Rather, we set it up as a system where whoever wants to run a global business out of Armenia, they have some unique value proposition from Armenia. That other uh, countries don't have. Yes. Uh, and also, yeah, I, th I think we need to have something unique and we need to manage the sort of the table stakes. Like, you know, people want to send their kids to schools. Some of them want international schools. Some of them, you know, want a good medical clinic. Uh, so it's not like... It, a government can do it or one private sector player can do it. It's a complex effort to coordinate it and uh, bring it uh, right. to Armenia. What can be something that Armenia offers that is unique from other countries? So you said something that really is a differentiator for Armenia and really creates a value proposition for global companies. What can that thing be? Yeah, look, uh, if I think about it, frankly speaking, for a lot of people in this world, Armenia is a very nice place to be in terms of climate, people, culture, so we have a lot of what it takes, but then the differentiator is going to be some critical, insightful things that I don't necessarily have off my head. But like, if you look at Switzerland, they have this canton Zug where all of the crypto businesses are. So it's like the crypto capital of the world. And uh, let me ask you, why cannot Armenia be a better crypto capital of the world? Uh, it might take some regulatory change, might take some targeted effort to attract this investment, but this can be it. Or maybe we do... Uh, I don't know, image processing, if we have good research institutions in that right. space. So we can start small and then branch from it because businesses, especially tech businesses, tend to, to stick to each other and feed off of each other. So I don't have a perfect silver bullet that I would give you, but then um, it's something to to think about and work work on and build on what we already have, companies like PixArt and Service Titan and, uh, right. and many, many others. So if you're taking, let's say, crypto or image processing or computer vision or something, would it be mainly having just a high number of really specialized people in those fields and universities that really specialize in those fields that would make it attractive? Or Look, I think if you want to make it happen, you need several things. Number one is the funds. So if you, if you have specialized VC funds who know this business, who can bring expertise and add mm. value here, that's number one. Number two is talent. 
And by talent, I don't just mean the technical talent who can deliver it, but also the executives and the right. founders and uh, and many other people who can make it happen. Um, and third, it's the regulatory and administrative environment that uh, glues it all together. So I feel like uh, whether we choose to start with a particular vertical in the tech space or we go more broader and say, look, we have this info of digital talent. Why don't we make it better than Kazakhstan and Serbia? And we already have quite enough. And then we build from there. Um, I don't know the right recipe. Yeah. What I know is that uh, it's it's, be it's best if we create this recipe pretty fast as uh, the current moment gives us an opportunity and a challenge. Mm -hmm. Define the current moment. What What is it exactly about this moment that is such a pinnacle point in history for us? Yeah, I think we are um, in the middle of a lot of geopolitical tensions. Um, some of us, some of them affecting us uh, positively, some of them are a big risk, and they're all heavily interlinked. So obviously we have a large inflow of talent that can treat Armenia as a temporary um, place to hide out, or they can actually, you know, fall in love with Armenia Turn into and, and do, and, uh, you know, create a work, uh, workspace and uh, more businesses in Armenia for each other and for Armenians. Um, and whether they do it, we don't know. And then we have obviously a security challenge that will be a big factor in the decisions of these people, but also these people are contributing to how this, this situation will evolve. So I feel like there is a smart game Armenia can play, leveraging everything that's going on um, to get out of this as a winner. I'm obviously not, not uh, into geopolitics, more into business. Uh, but then, you know, bringing these people together and... Uh, having them do stuff and not, uh, you know, wait and uh, be looking at whether th they move to Dubai or Serbia next. That's our challenge. And the way we treat it is we can do some things that are, you know, changing the system, changing how we operate. We can do some one-off things like get this company onboarded into Armenia, give them some special treatment. Uh, we can also send signals. Uh, look, if we create a working group, we can create a, a response team. We can you know, announce that we are here to help these people uh, in no way threatening or, uh, you know, challenging anybody, but, you know, just being a bit of a humanitarian effort. And then uh, that is also a good signal that yeah. has people treat Armenia differently as well. Right. Earlier you spoke about the importance of developing not just engineering and technical talent, but also exec level and non-tech roles. Yeah. So one thing that I, I often hear is, we won't get that exec level talent until there's a really the first wave of Armenian startup exits and people who have been receiving that really valuable product and uh, executive level experience will then sort of be free to go on and build their own companies or join uh, earlier stage startups. Is there anything we can do in the meantime to play a, a positive role in developing that, that talent that is needed at the exec level? Yeah, I think, uh, frankly, there are markets that went this, you know, startup exits way and uh, you know the tech champions way but there are also markets that went the way of industry champions say look uh, i don't know if it's a great example or a good example uh, in russia a lot of the digital uh, impulse came from Sberbank, which was a huge a legacy bank and then it became the most digital advanced bank uh, in the region and maybe globally and then they sourced a lot of talent and the, the executives to other industries, to other banks, to the tech companies. They they were this local champion from which a lot of things branched out. Right. So for Armenia, it doesn't have to be, 
I don't know, intent AI, uh, you know, doing a good exit and doing well. It can be a Maria Bank or it can be Archin Bank or it can be Team Telecom Armenia or it can be, again, if you look at uh, places like Estonia and Singapore, it could be actually a city a government that does good services for those living in the city that can be the champion of this. Like a good former mayor or, or like a council person or something, you mean? Yeah, look, we see some mayors globally that are the digital champions of their countries. Mm -hmm. Are there any industries in Armenia outside of tech that you see that could be a good source for that? Absolutely. Talent? I think banking, extremely promising, very competitive, a lot of talented people. You know, it's just a dynamic uh, industry here. Yeah, Telecom often is... Um, a place where a lot of tech talent thrives, thrives, a lot of innovation comes from. Then what also happens quite often is the intersection of industries. When there is a an entrepreneur with the resources, they can bring organizations together. And then you see something popping up uh, from a partnership between a bank and a grocery retailer or uh, something like this. Uh, so I think we have a lot of potential there. And a big thing we should never forget about is our diaspora. Mm -hmm where a lot of things can come from. Uh, frankly, if the environment here is good and if they see a good opportunity and whether it's the system that works or, or preferential treatment for a certain company or an, an individual, we can actually bring uh, some amazing people here uh, from the diaspora. And I see actually, I, quite often I, I meet some extremely talented and accomplished uh, Armenians who are here to help, to mentor companies, but they are, you know, they have one of their feet uh, the two feet here and the other back home, wherever they are. Right. So a lot can be done. It's just uh, how do we bring it about is, is the challenge. Given that it's it's probably not realistic to repatriate very large amounts of diasporans mm -hmm. to Armenia, what's the most effective way to leverage that resource and while they have one foot in the U.S. or wherever yeah. they are and one foot in Armenia, use that to enhance the ecosystem in Armenia? Yeah, just being very practical, a small idea. I don't know to what extent this is... Uh, Doable. Look, if we have uh, a group of uh, private sector businessmen say, look, we are starting this new initiative where we create a council of uh, accomplished Armenians outside of Armenia and we are the, uh, the council on the other side. And then we uh, do sort of one-to-one -one mentor matching where I say whether we introduce this person to the board or they're just a mentor to us uh, to contribute to Armenia. Whatever, whatever that is, is not that important. But uh, for example, you know, we have Andrea Andonian who is a senior partner emeritus at McKinsey, chairman of FAST, super interested in doing things in Armenia. Uh, I don't know if we ever asked him to mentor any of the companies in Armenia right. on their path forward. Maybe that's, I don't know, maybe he's doing it. Uh, but uh, if we sort of bring structure on the side of Armenia and also on the side of the diaspora mm -hmm. to connect these people and bring about change, and that is just one small idea that frankly it can be done uh, by the government can be done by any group of uh, armenians and i think uh, that both sides will love to to participate in right let's speak a little bit about uh, economic impact that the tech sector can have um so uh, i think the number officially for the tech sector which includes tech and manufacturing as an as a percentage of gdp is under three mm -hmm. Um, but there's a lot of hype around the tech sector that doesn't really match the actual economic impact. What can we do so that the tech sector has a much larger impact on Armenia's economy in the way that maybe Estonia's, let's say, has? Yeah. Look, so if you look at the global GDP, tech sector is any, anywhere from 5 to 15% global GDP, depending on what you include in tech. Right. So it seems like we are underperforming 
at the global average, whereas, you know, looking at our position geographically with our borders, we should actually rely more on tech right. than we rely on trade and manufacturing and, and, and uh, agriculture and things like that. So I feel like we're clearly not where we want to be on this side. Then how do we do we change it? I feel like we're just being very practical. We have a lot of uh, talent here that is uh, going to be looking for jobs. And um, we're going to have some entrepreneurs here who are also looking to uh, for new business opportunities. How do we sort of bring these people together and let, give the entrepreneurs the impetus to start companies and create the workspace for uh, these other people? Uh, how do we create enough uh, for them to stay here for the long term? That that would be the challenge. Again, I don't think there is one thing that we can do that will suddenly, you know, give uh, give us 30% of GDP from tech. Um, it's going to be many little things. And as I spoke, it will take medical clinics, residential real estate, commercial real estate. And um, sometimes we'll see bottlenecks. And if we're just being systematic about it, hold on, we, take, we take a focus group of five entrepreneurs who came here. What's lacking for you? They'll tell you a residential real estate. Mm -hmm. Then we take a concentrated effort to bring somebody be it from the diaspora or just private investors or development institutions saying like, look, doing the, this investment into real estate in Armenia has a mul incredible multiple to GDP because now it's a blocker to everything else. Right. And we know what these blockers are, frankly. I mean, I know quote from having spoken to tens of people who have moved here. I can tell you it's education, it's medical services, it's like real access estate. Like education for their kids, you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's flight connections. I mean, something, some of these things take months and years to fix. Well, some others, frankly, I don't know if it's that hard. Is real estate one of the things that's not that hard? Uh, no, I think real estate, frankly, takes a lot of time and takes a lot of convincing to the investors that it's going to be secure and the property rights and, uh, you know, and the regulation. So I think this is not the, the quickest thing to fix. Uh, but then, I don't know, I think flight connections are not uh, probably that uh, that hard. Yeah. Would that be more like more direct flights from large diaspora communities like Paris and yeah, Toronto, yeah. Montreal, Los yeah. Angeles? And yeah. just uh, just to sort of uh, make sure I'm understood correctly, I'm not when I say not hard, I don't mean that it's easy. Right. It's just doable. There's a right. lot of problems around it. And I know a lot right. of people have been working hard for more than 10 years to make it happen. It's just that now the environment is a bit different. And yeah. uh, did we bring the right uh, business case to the airlines of the world to explain to them how the situation is changing in Armenia, uh, what's in it for them, work with the regulators yeah. um, across the globe to bring the, bring about this change. I'm not saying it's easy. It's, right. it's easier than real estate, which frankly is incredibly hard. Right. Uh, but if we just, you know, it's nice to talk to one uh, McKinsey partner about it, but to bring about 15 or 20 or five or whatever the number is, businessmen, and talk to them and ask them what what is it that they need and just be very rigorous about executing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's going to be a very important yeah. thing. And then also, frankly, being open to them, saying, we hear you, here is how we're tackling your problem. Things will be solved. Some impact will happen in six months, yeah. some more in four years, but I'm here for you. Right. And that's an important signal for a lot of the businessmen who have their kids and families and they don't want to move places every couple of years. And if they don't have enough trust and transparency, that's already a problem. Mm -hmm. So a lot of it is communication and working with them. So um, one of the things I often hear is in order for the tech sector to also have a bigger impact on the economy, it needs to boost Armenian economic productivity. And in order for to do that, tech companies in Armenia need to solve 
problems for the local market as well. Like right now, it can be argued that most Armenian tech companies are really solving problems for, for understandable reasons for much larger markets like the U.S. and Europe. Uh, for instance, let's take agriculture, right? Agriculture is a fairly big part of Armenia's economy. We have some agrotech startups in Armenia, but they are largely for much larger markets like the U.S. and such. And the problems in Armenia are often different because um, there aren't these massive crop fields to fly drones and stuff over. What do we have to do to incentivize tech companies in Armenia to build for the local market? Or how do we develop that ecosystem? Look, I think it's a big challenge. Uh, so what I'm seeing is that, look, I have a, an entrepreneur here in Armenia. We want to do something. And they're competing for talent with the, the likes of Pixart and Ameria right. Bank. And frankly, there's not enough talent for, for it to be anywhere near as cheap as it needs to be. So what the typical entrepreneur is facing, the market is small. If they do something for Armenia, they're going to spend a lot of money on product and then not get enough because it's not reach the country, not reach a country, not big enough. So if I were them, I would I would do what they're doing. I would serve the global, uh, market. The, the global market. Is it a problem though? I don't know. Because still, if they have their development teams here locally, if that's where they are competitive, I think we should be proud and let them do their thing. Obviously, some of them will want to experiment and try new products locally. Some others will sort of branch out and leave their companies and do something local as they see local problems. I don't think we can be too prescriptive here. We have this reality of, you can call it a resource course of uh, the diaspora and, and local development talent. It's all right. I think we, we should uh, be proud of what we have and build on what we have rather than sort of regulate uh, this out. So you don't think maybe the government has a role to play to incentivize companies to build for the local market through grants and funding or things like that? Look, I think grants and funding uh, are great. And if we bring some VC funds, match their investments, that's obviously a good thing. Yeah. One thing we should definitely not be doing is protectionism. Right. Saying like you cannot serve the global the market if you don't do something, something in Armenia. Of course, yeah. And then... There are many things that are between these two extremes of helping and regulating this out. Right. So it's almost too risky to, right. to even start. Right. Another thing we were speaking about earlier is turning Armenia into, I think the way you phrased it is not just a place where the companies are sort of locally serving the outside, but really building their entire businesses here. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit and speak about why that's so important? Look, again, I think... As I spoke, there are many roles that countries can play in the global ecosystem. Some of them are service centers, right. say India. Some of them are you know, outsourcing hubs for uh, digital talent. Also to an extent India, but also Vietnam. Some of them are man manufacturing hubs like uh, Taiwan and Vietnam. Uh, some of them are innovation places like Israel uh, or uh, the Silicon Valley. And uh, How do you evaluate Armenia? I don't think we can say i mean none of these countries to be fair uh, are exactly what i called them right. they are a combination of different factors but i think it seems to me like we are way more of a an outsourcing center for cheaper talented labor not like cheap cheap it's not call centers that we have here but we have developers and we have uh, some smaller r&d centers that are maybe not doing the most critical part of the uh, value chain but they're doing something important for the these global companies but few are run from armenia and then what it means is that few of them book revenues in armenia right few of them have their executives in armenia that create a lot of demand few of them actually visit armenia all that often to make sure things happen. Few of them then know the global, the local market to do something on the local market. To them, it's just, you know, 
we have 15 offices globally and then we keep uh, some of our developers there so if you look at mckinsey we have offices everywhere but we also have service hubs and some of them are in costa rica or poland or india and some are offices where mostly consultants are there because it's expensive say new york look i'd prefer yerevan to be new york just in terms of what an impact it brings in terms of economic demand, people spending this money in the country, then other people serving these people who have the money. I think it's just a much bigger multiplier on GDP if we are the innovation hub versus we are being we are the service hub. Right. When you when you speak about um, companies are run from the New Yorks of the world, uh, but they have presence in Armenia, are you speaking about large multinational corporations like let's say the EPOMs of the world that mm-hmm. have presence here? Or do you also mean Armenian startups that are Armenian? All of them. Yeah, frankly, all of them. So even like without naming names, like Armenian companies that are have been started in Armenia, but their then move sales elsewhere. and stuff headquarters are in the US, you yeah. consider those to be? Yeah, I don't think we, we need to categorize them into black and white or you know green and red. Yeah, it's a little bit tough, right? But frankly, I would, I would love to have some headquarters in Armenia. If you think about it, our GDP is what, 12 billion US dollars? And that uh, wouldn't be a Fortune 500 company, I assume. Right. So if we have a, a, a major global company run out of Armenia, and then, I don't know, a couple of thousands of their employees, very well paid, globally competitive, spending their money, and then some local startups also sell, serving this global company, I think is a different story. Right. So when an Armenian startup starts and they keep their engineers here, but their sales and a lot mm-hmm. of their execs and stuff are in California or somewhere else... That's detrimental to the economic impact that the company can have, you're saying? Yeah, I don't think it's detrimental. We still should be proud. And, right, and it's course. still a lot of demand for us. And it's still a lot of career development for these people. Right. It's just we, we can do more. And I, re- I had a conversation recently with a, a startup here in Armenia, which was uh, founded by some of the people who left one of the development hubs of these major global companies. And what they do, they're like, good, we have amazing t- technology. We have no idea how to scale and do sales and do right. product management and do all of the other stuff. So they know the tech, but they don't know the broader digital space. And they just don't have it because it was always done from elsewhere. They haven't had exposure to it. And frankly, when I saw it, I was having breakfast with this founder. I was like, oh my God, like this, this is just wow. Yeah. Just the scale of the problem. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, who do you think we should talk to? Yeah. We are a startup that wants to scale. I was like, uh, I, I don't have an idea in Armenia. I can connect you to people in Silicon Valley. Right. And that's what I did. Right. So the biggest thing we're missing out on from not having those companies run from Armenia is the access to that broader talent, that exact level yes. talent and the yeah. non-technical so talent. If you think about it, there's tech talent, which is people writing lines of code, and there's digital talent. And digital mm-hmm. talent is also product managers, uh, salespeople, and uh customer success managers. And there, there's a lot of different areas of expertise that uh, we're not as strong at uh, as we can be. So this is one of those conversations I entered in not knowing much about and learned a lot from. So I feel like I need to ask, is there anything I should have asked that I, I didn't? What should we have touched on? <laughs> uh, look, I am uh, i wouldn't say I'm the, the biggest expert in the world in the, into the Armenian market. Uh, so I, d- I don't think I have much more to say. I'll be happy to bring this about what I was talking about, making Armenia a hub for global entrepreneurs. I frankly don't have, I have some practical ideas on where to start, but I don't have a, a good area where I can press a button and things start start moving. Yeah. So uh, if there is anybody as enthusiastic about it as I am, I'd love to then speak with them yeah. and bring it about, you know, I lo- I've, as yeah. much as I love speaking, 
I, I love doing much more. Right. And my last question, is there anything or a couple of things that you hope we focus on in the next five to 10 years for growth in Armenia? I don't know. I don't think I have a, a silver the, bullet. Yeah, silver bullet or, or, or a good enough view. I think, frankly, Armenia is doing very, very well. And uh, the way we have managed through this year and, uh, you know, COVID and war at the same time, it's been tough several years and it will be. And I feel like Armenia is on this resilient growth path. Yeah. We know how to grow and be resilient. And it actually amazes me how when I talk to people, I'm like, oh, why don't do a project with McKinsey? Um, but then I realize uh, with the current situation, they might not be as keen. And they're like, yeah, sure, we should just go because this is how the country operates. And I think we should be extremely proud of this mindset and this operating model and not just talk about, you know, what needs to be fixed. Right. Let's just celebrate yeah. some, some of the things that some were done extremely well in the past few years. Yeah. In the private and the public sector and the right. social sector as well. Leonid, thank you so much for joining us today. I thank personally you. learned a lot from it, and I think our listeners will as well. I thank hope you'll you join so us much. again in the future to speak about the, the further developments. Thank Absolutely. you so much. Thank you so much. Yeah. My pleasure.